La Yorona. Hey, it's the Disenfranchised hey. Podcast. We're that podcast all about those franchises of one, those films that fancy themselves full-fledged franchises before falling flat on their face after the first film. I am your host, Stephen Foxworthy, and joining me as always, the man who is physically pained by my singing, it's my co-host, Brett Wright. Hey, Brett. Hello, Stephen. I, it looks as though you've just had like an, a brain aneurysm. <laughs> that look on your face is maybe the most pained I've ever seen you. I both, hated, I both hated and loved everything you just did. <laughs> <laughs> That's the sweet spot, well, though, isn't it? It, it, really, it really is. Um, and, of course, we would be absolutely remiss if we did not bring uh, our, our local shaman, uh, to the table, it is our good friend Tucker. Hey, Tucker. Hi, Stephen. Uh, so I don't have anything clever to say. Um, you, did you notice how last week when I really loved that movie, like I had a whole thing and like it stuff was involved in context and stuff. I just hi, Stephen. That's all I have to say. <laughs> and then I disappeared about fifteen minutes into the, the yeah, episode. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that happened. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. Tucker and Joseph didn't call that out five times throughout the course of the rest <laughs> of the did. episode. We did. We accused you of, of many, many hand gestures. <laughs> Wonderful. I can't wait to listen to it. Yeah. I, I haven't it's listened to times. it yet. Maybe I should. Please do. You should. Please do. It's a good but episode. Just, It is actually a very good episode. But just if, if for no other reason than just to like just just see what they what 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 gestures they put in your hands really is. Yes. All right. Well, <clears throat> Uh, but no, we are back. It is. It is. This is a very special episode for two very important reasons, gentlemen. Is One, it? Oh. it is. It is our season four premiere. It is the oh, first great. episode of our fourth season. This is what we went with. We're kicking it off with a whimper, guys. Look, there's a new great. Conjuring movie it. in theaters. Cares. Kicking it off with a whimper. And okay. secondly, even more damning, it's our 150th episode. This is our sesquicentennial episode. Great. I love that. And, wow. and, and we wasted we wasted both of those things on this fucking movie. Great Steven. Damn uh, straight. You're, you're fired from scheduling. I'll be taking that over too. I mean, next thing you know, you you're, gonna... you're gonna fire us as your co-host, and it's just gonna be you talking into a microphone for several hours every week. It's okay. I'll bring you guys on as guests. <laughs> thanks, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gee, no thanks. Problem. Kicking us off our own damn podcast. Um, but no, as we said, there is a new Conjuring film in theaters this week. So, of course, it is time for us to talk about the bastard stepchild of the Conjuring franchise. It or is, is it? or or is it? But is it? But it is it? Or is it? It is. It is. It is. It is. I don't care is. what anybody says. Is. It is. We'll, we'll get <laughs> into it. We are absolutely going to get into it. We are talking about what movie, Tucker? I'm going to make you say it. Uh, we're talking about 2019's, uh, 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 The Curse of La Llorona. The Curse of La Llorona from 2019, directed by Michael Chavez, written by Mickey Doherty and Tobias Iaconas. Uh, sorry for mispronouncing that name. Uh, starring Linda Cardellini, Raymond Cruz, uh, Patricia Velasquez, Marisol Ramirez, Roman Christou, Janie Lynn Kinchin, Sean Patrick Thomas, Tony Amendola, Irene Kang, uh, Oliver Alexander, and many 
other people in significantly smaller roles. What a cast. Sure. Gentlemen. What a nope. picture. Nope. Nope. Neither nope. of those really. Nope. Uh, Not at all. Linda nope. Cardellini. Other than that, yeah. no. R- Raymond yeah, Cruz. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's, uh, that's all right. like a motherfucker. Yeah, right. Okay, yeah. Fair enough. Cop and Patricia Velasquez as well. Uh, Anaxon Among from The Mummy. Thought okay. I recognized her. Yeah, that's right, what you enough. recognize her yeah, from. All right, yeah. fair enough. Yeah, sure. Sure. So, job, so you got three pretty, pretty impressive standouts, and then uh, uh, just a regular who's who's that of uh, of, 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 of garbage. Garbage. character actors the there. word you're looking for uh, is can garbage. i uh, can i mention just one more time uh because i think this is a really fun fact that linda Car- cardellini uh plays two different roles in the mcu she does that's true i think she's the only one no because she's, she's hawkeye's not. wife mm-hmm. and she's the 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 otter with the the arms in guardians 3 yeah. Um, so you've got if you count the TV shows, then you've got a, a much wider range to go from. You've got Alfred oh, Woodard, yeah, yeah. Um, who plays well, Agents uh, of Shield. Yeah. 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 You've uh, well, Alfred Woodard was in uh, Luke Cage, but she was also in uh, Civil War, playing two different characters. Oh yeah, and wasn't one of the girl the gals in uh, uh, Shang Chi also two different roles? Uh, Michelle Yeoh plays. Um, I think. Shang-Chi's mom and uh, one of the Ravager Kings at the end of Guardians 2. Um, you've got um, Enver Glukaj, I think is the actor's name. I'm probably butchering his name, but he plays the cop in a, at the end of Avengers, and then he's also a, a series regular on Agent Carter. There's four that I know of off the top of my head. Two of which um, aren't currently canon. So, I mean, a- Agent Carter... Kind of is because they put Jarvis in. No, in that's not one of them. Agents oh. of Shield and Luke Cage are potentially not canon. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. And uh, for I the mean, record, if the you multiverse thing, Agent Carter, go watch it. In another multiverse. So, but, I suppose. Yeah, you, get, you guys liked Agent Carter, right? It was fine. It was fine. Yeah, I liked it a lot. You guys, I I really wish it kind of would have kept going. I thought it was really fun. I mean, Haley Carter is um, playing wonderful. Uh, dude. I mean, she was in the 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 Sam Raimi Doctor Strange movie. That's she true. was in, she the was what, in if. what If as the same character. Yeah. So I mean, you know, she's they they they're finding ways to keep bringing I, her back. So I love that they are because I think they know what they have there. They just yeah really hard to use it now. So they've they've been coming up with some really creative ways to bring her back. Um, mm-hmm. Outside of just having her die in old age makeup and like what was it, Civil War? Uh yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Which I think was just footage they borrowed from one of the Avengers movies, honestly. And then and then he smooched her daughter, man. That's weird. Yeah. Uh that's some Woody Allen shit right there. Yeah. That's some Woody Allen shit right there. It is some Woody Allen shit. What are you doing, Cap? Come on, man. It's not the 40s anymore, man. Ooh, even things if it was. Things are different. No Ooh. more child. No, wait. That's a completely different thing. <laughs> Never mind. Continuing on. We anyway, curse <laughs> abort, abort, abort. The curse of La Llorona. Hey. Um, so this is, uh, like I said at the top, the bastard steps child of the Conjuring franchise. When our friends over at the pod and the pendulum covered the Conjuring franchise, they just 
skipped this one. Um, because according to uh, some attached to this movie, it is not a part of the Conjuring franchise, uh, despite having a character and a very specific reference to other Conjuring films. Um, apparently not a part of it. I will say this. Shrug. The best way to look at it is, is it part of the franchise? Yes. Does it matter that it's part of the franchise? No. No. It doesn't add or take anything away from it. It just has a reference to it, letting you know that it's happening in the same universe. Right. So to that, so with The Nun 2 coming out this weekend, this is the only film. Oh, that's the one? Okay. That's the one. Yeah. This is the only film in the Conjuring franchise that will probably never get a sequel, which is why we're covering it this week. Um, and it, the reason it will never get a sequel is because it honestly doesn't feel like it. It is in, in so many ways. It's the bastard stepchild of the Conjuring franchise because it, it doesn't really fit in the world created by the rest. Like everything else is very well connected, very firmly locked. And this just feels like it's its own kind of separate thing. It's out in the distance, kind of doing its own thing. And then if not for the character of father Perez from Annabelle, just showing up in this fucking movie for two scenes and, and literally mentioning a doll and getting a, a quick cut to Annabelle. Like, this would not be a part of the conjuring franchise. So I, my question like, is why even fucking put that in there? Well, it feels like if the conjuring franchise were a television series, um, this movie would be a bottle episode. Yes. You throw it in yeah. mid season to kind of, you know, stretch your legs a bit before <laughs> you move the season plot forward. Right. Doesn't really have anything and, to do with the overarching narrative. Maybe you might never, include some characters, but and you're never going to visit that story or characters again. This does not leave itself open for a sequel. It, the ending, they poof, they poof her away. It's it's almost as, but not intentionally, but almost as bad as the ending of Idle Hands, where they just throw the knife and the hands just like, poof. like okay, and that's how this movie is. She just sticks her with the cross, and she's just like, poof. and you're like, I'm like Seth Green. I'm like, is that it? No, no, no fire, no, no screaming, no. I mean, I'm glad everybody's okay, but that was kind of weak, you know? Yeah, but they leave it open that they could because it's a horror movie and they could always come back. And, you know, that's all that's, the thing they could have done. That's the thing with, super, with this with the supernatural movie. Like, Valak was pretty, pretty routinely destroyed at the end of The Conjuring 2. But you better believe we're bringing her back for The Nun and The Nun 2, so... Well, I mean, yeah, and it, it, and as, in, as, a, as an unabashed nun lover, I don't think there needed to be a sequel because I'm pretty sure I, the things I loved about the original nun are not going to be in the sequel. Agreed. So proclaimed lo nun lover, Brett. I am, I'm a nun lover. <laughs> don't yeah, forget it. I'll never. <laughs> I, I don't think we ever could anymore, really. Good. Good. <laughs> don't, don't. Just always remember. Let never it be forget. known. Hashtag never Shout forget. Shout it. Shout it from the rooftops. <laughs> I mean, Dimian Bashir is my favorite part of of the Nun, and uh, I don't think he's back for the sequel. Dimian Bashir? Yeah, I don't know who that is. Uh, he's in. Um, I know he's in the Hateful Eight. If you're uh, if you're in Tarantino boy, he was nominated for an Oscar. Oh, didn't care for um, uh, the movie A Better Life, uh, which he's phenomenal in. He's in Machete Kills. Like he's just. Oh well, in that case, he's. He's he's a really phenomenal actor who I don't think has ever really gotten enough to do. But yeah, he's he's one of my favorites. I really enjoy him. He is not going to be in um, 
the nun too, and that's a big the fucking bummer. Yeah, because I, I mean, he's so he, he was the other main character in the original one, right? Right. And so they pretty much wrap up his story by tying it back to the first Conjuring movie, and that he doesn't. Yep. You know, it, again, doesn't need to be a sequel to the Nun, but here we are. No, but uh, but again, that's what a franchise is: finding ways to sequelize. And and we were talking about this in our "What Are We Watching" episode when we, you know, we talked about um, the Final Destination films which you're in the process of rewatching right now, Brett. Um, like you, you get yourself into a, a situation where you, there wasn't intended to be a sequel, but it did well enough that you feel like there's a demand for a sequel. And so you have to figure out a way to reverse engineer a sequel based on what you have. And that thing, the ending of the nun ties so neatly into the beginning of the first conjuring film that you don't need a sequel to the nun, but that character is so, stark and so like well appreciated by horror fans that it, it feels like you almost have to yeah i mean yeah are you right yes doesn't mean i have to like it no and hey, i'm not asking there. you to like it you mm-hmm. you you do not have to like it here's, here's my can... problem with the conjuring universe is that and because of the lack of success of this movie uh, means they're probably never going to try again. Mm-mm. But they they've got what three main like ghosts, demons that this franchise has worked with over mm-hmm. seven movies, eight mm-hmm. movies now. Um, you need to branch out and give us some more supernatural shit. Well, that's I think Annabelle Comes Home is your gateway to a lot of that shit because Annabelle Comes Home is one of my favorite movies in the franchise, and it's because. It's the 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 main couple's kid and her babysitter and her friends like accidentally sneaking into the room and like unleashing just a bunch of monsters and demons. And there are like five or six different potential movies just in that like museum room that they have in their house yeah. um, that you could easily, easily keep the franchise going for years based solely on what's in that room. And I've heard that they're they're planning on doing a sequel from another one of the villains in um, Conjuring 2, the the Shadow Man, the the guy with the big giant teeth just, just and the hat. Get, I mean, stop giving us sequels. Crooked Man, the Crooked Man. Yeah. You're gonna like it, this, it, right now. It's as if we just have Iron Man, Thor, and the Hulk with movies over and mm-hmm. over and over. This we've gotten Hulk three and Iron Man four. And like this more, we need more than just these three things getting sequels all the time. Like, come on, please. Can we have more? Well, and that's, I think I, and I think, I don't think that's what this was intended to be, but I think that's what the general populace saw this as. Um, and, and I might as well just get into this now. So as to the, this this movie's tenuous place within the Conjuring franchise, it features the character of Father Perez from Annabelle, um, who's a, a primary character in that narrative. Um, he helps the the family that Annabelle is cursing before she goes to the uh, what's their faces. Um, but the um, the director of this film says that this is not a sequel to the con to this is not a film in the conjuring franchise. It's not in the conjuring universe, despite featuring father Perez and having a very specific, incredibly intentional and not at all oblique reference to Annabelle. 
um, where they literally just cut to a shot of Annabelle at one point in the movie. Like it's, you can't deny it. It's right fucking there. Um, and the reason he says that it is not a part of the Conjuring franchise is because Peter Saffron, uh, the producer of all of the other Conjuring films, uh, and the guy who's uh, working with James Gunn to basically roll out the DCU proper again, um, did not produce this movie. Uh, and the reason given for him not producing the movie is because it was a small, low budget film. So apparently it was, quote, beneath him um, for him to even come on as a producer here, though he did. James Wan was a producer, but apparently without Peter Safran, it can't be an official Conjuring film, I guess, question mark. Um, but Safran did give permission for Father Perez to appear in the film and for the Annabelle reference to be made. I mean, if you ask me, this film reads as a completely separate entity that became a conjuring film when James Wan came on as a producer. Like, that's kind of what it feels like to me. And the fact that you put a character from that franchise in that movie makes it a part of that franchise retroactively. Like, you can say it's not all you want. Like the director's like, yeah, the guy at uh, at South by Southwest when it premiered said that it was the the newest entry in the Conjuring franchise, and that was his mistake. And so now everyone thinks that it is, but it's not. You can't count it. Uh, to which I say, uh, yeah, you absolutely can and should. Yeah, I mean, did you watch your own movie? There's a very blatant scene that I'm pretty sure is just a scene from the first Annabelle movie. Right. This is just him coming out of the house with the Annabelle doll. Like, Mm -hmm. did you not talk to your editor? Did you did you not approve that? Right. Why do you think that doesn't make it a Conjuring movie? What the fuck is wrong with you? And in his mind, in his mind, those were only intended to be quote fun Easter eggs for the fans. Which no, they're they're not like that's if that's what you're looking for, then what you're looking for is more of like a. Seth MacFarlane, A Hundred Ways to Die in the West, like Christopher Lloyd comes in and plays Doc Brown for a scene. Like that's the kind of like that's a fun Easter egg, throwaway Easter egg for fans. If you don't want us to think much about it, don't make the character from the previous movie a central important part of your film. Just don't do it. Yeah. And don't make the the lore and logic match the same sort of aesthetic that's in the conjuring movies like because it feels like you're shoehorning it into the conjuring franchise but you tell me you're not doing that no you absolutely are get off your high horse and get your get your head out of your ass please and thank yeah. you yeah you're telling me that you didn't want to eventually do a sequel movie with the former priest guy at the end of this film that's like mm-hmm. his origin story that he's alluding to in multiple scenes oh my god yeah it's like he he you know he used to be part of the church why did why isn't he a part of the church anymore that feels like a sequel hook that the conjuring universe would do to give uh-huh. his origin story later yep and look i am all for raymond cruz like getting more work i think that guy is an insanely good actor who has just he's basically played low-level heavies for his entire career like he was Tuco in Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul he was in The Closer like he just is the guy who kind of like shows up and throws his weight around and then just like by show 
Uh, but this is like his first like starring role in a movie and he does a good job. I like what he does here. And I would love to see more of this character. I don't like this movie, but I would love to see more of him as a character for sure. I don't think any of us like this movie, but I would say I, I thought the last half hour was decent and had some good ideas, but I'll get into that later. I would have liked it more if I could have seen it, but that's another, that's a completely different. Uh, that is a little different. You're not wrong. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I guess uh, let's talk about, I, I, Brett, you and I have kind of already alluded to our histories with the Conjuring franchise, uh, but we can get into more specifics. Tucker, what is your history with this franchise? When did you first see this movie? Uh, we, we know what you think of it, but like, just, just lay it on me, man. I've seen the first Conjuring movie cause I really like Patrick Wilson and I didn't realize that it was about the Warrens when I saw it. Um, that's the name I've been forgetting it this whole time (laughs) I've been I went into it blind because I'll go I'll go see anything my boy Patrick Wilson is in for real like I'm 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 behind him all the way he always always gives a solid performance I always enjoy everything that he's in and he's just real easy on the eyes you guys real easy he's a very pretty man yeah and so I'm down I'm downtown doo-doo brown to watch anything he's in I watched that one blind I realized what the subject matter was, and I, I just didn't really have any interest in the rest of the series. Um, so I've never seen this film before. I watched it yesterday, and I really don't even feel like I've seen it because not only did I fall asleep for about 15 minutes of it, um, but as soon as it was over, I just completely forgot everything about it. forgot that I even watched it today. I was walking around like, oh, shit, I got to record tonight. What what the fuck? Did I watch the movie? (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It took me about 15, 20 seconds to, like, put it all together and be like, yeah, I did watch that movie. Oh, yeah. It just, like, farted itself out of my brain as soon as it was over. I mean, you're not really wrong um, at all. No. A good good test of a bad movie is when I can skim through parts of it and not miss anything. I was actively skimming through... <clears throat> the long drawn out uh, tension building sections, like the first time where she's walking through the house and checking doors, and mm-hmm. like, is there's something in the house? She has to slowly creep through the entire fucking house. We got to pad out the runtime. This thing is a lean ninety three minutes, a mercifully lean ninety three minutes. Yeah, uh, but we got to like we got to pad out that runtime, man. It's just multiple times I would skim through, you know. A full mm-hmm. two to three minutes at a time, not missing. Yeah. I wanted yeah, I to mean, skip the stuff. Good. I wanted to skip the stuff where they turned the victim into the villain in such a stupid way. I mm-hmm. fucking hated that. Like that lady, that sucks, man. Like her straight up, her kids died, dude. Mm-hmm. Children are dead. Yep. And then they just turn turn her into the villain because oh, well, it was clear that you had no idea what was going on because I didn't fucking tell you whether you would believe me or not. Like, she didn't say, she didn't explain it at all. And so uh, our our protagonist tries to save these children and unwittingly gets them killed. Right. And so the mother blames her? And well, and our protagonist didn't even give her a chance to explain. She like she makes a big deal that she's been working on this case and this family for years. Four years, yeah. And 
doesn't think this person that she's been dealing with and his family she's been dealing with for four years doesn't think to give her a chance to explain what's going on. Not that she would have believed her. Let's be honest. Yeah, that's yeah. True. But, that's true. but like, there's not even an opportunity to be like, what's going on here? Tell like, let me, let's sit down. Let's talk mm-hmm. through this. What's going on? Like a real childcare caseworker would do. Right. Yeah. Um, no, it's just, fuck it. You trapped your kids in the closet. Book them, Dano. Just, that's it. And, I mean, everyone is very oblique, and, and I mean, everyone in this movie is very oblique when referencing La Llorona. Um, they always refer to her just as she. So who did this to you? She did. Your mother? No, she did. And at no point does anyone ask any clarifying questions. Yeah, I hate at no it point when does that, anyone an entire try plot, to understand. Yeah. I hate when an entire plot rests upon things that could be very easily explained that any rational thinking human being would just like push just a little harder and figure out. And even if it's not something that's easily believable, you have to at least try. What else are you going to do? Like no one would be that intentionally vague when some shit like that was happening to them. Right. And if this is a woman that you've literally known for four years and, and are vouching for in front of your other coworkers, then you're, to flip on her so easily and so quickly based on, uh, yeah. I mean, the, 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 the movie's premise is tenuous at best. I think you could probably, after the scene where they're getting ready to go to school, like the moment they come out and miss the bus, you can pretty much turn this movie off. Like you've seen Super the best. Fly, this movie man. They off. wasted, they wasted Curtis Mayfield, my boy, Curtis Mayfield. I'm glad that his estate got money for this. But you don't waste Curtis Mayfield on a shitty movie like this. Because it's, it's the same situation with with his character later. Because I mean, you can obviously see the trajectory of this movie a mile away. You know that the same thing is going to happen to her. Right. They're going to think she's actually abusing her kids. Mm-hmm. Look, like as somebody who is known on this podcast to say I like to turn my brain off and not figure out what's going to happen, so obvious I couldn't help it. Yeah, um, you can't. You can't. You can't. And so, but it's the same situation later. When, like, it's clear that her and the detective are close friends. He comes over and brings food, and they have dinner together, and they talk, they like, they talk through stuff. Mm-hmm. And he flips on her, like, like, immediately. You better get this shit together. I can't believe you would do this. Like, yeah, what? she's right. You can't be here. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Like, it doesn't make any sense. No, none whatsoever. Like, it, and, and again, it, it, the the writing is not great, but again, it feels like this was made. This feels like this feels like a direct to video movie or like a, a, a like a direct to, to digital movie that because it got the attention of James Wan got a bigger budget and a theatrical release. Now, it's still not a big budget movie. I think the the reported budget on this one um shit where is it it's not it's only nine thousand like the budget's only like nine thousand dollars oh nine great million. We're at the numbers sorry. already sweet yes sorry nine million <laughs> we're at nine million like the budget on this one's nine million dollars so it did not keep, going, keep talking about numbers steven no no we're almost there were no video games about this let's just keep it rolling <laughs> uh i started on nine on youtube let's go This is not going to be the shortest ever episode of Disenfranchise. Sus underscore Warlock. Like this movie Steven's did not cost a lot, but it it reads like a movie 
that was like probably destined for direct to digital or direct to video might have become a cult like in and for for that market it's this is good like this is good for that market and it probably might have get garnered like a cult following but you roll it out you give it a big budget release and you connect it to the highest grossing horror franchise of all time it in an in an effort to get butts and seats and it's still not successful on that front does it does it earn back its budget and and many times over? Yes, absolutely it does. And that's really what you that's why horror movies are so marketable and why you get so many sequels to horror movies even when they're bad, they're still turning a profit. Those movies cost nothing to make and this is a very solid example of that. Well, I but, think what brought this into a a big release was the two main cast members but something that i learned from watching ed wood is that when you have crap and you put a star in it it's just crap with a star exactly and that's what this movie is (laughs) that's the only reason it's not direct to video right only reason and and i saw i saw a a tiktok of of an interview with matt damon recently where he's talking about like you know, there are projects that you're in and you realize while you're in them that they're going to be shit. And so like, what do you do in those circumstances? And his is you're a professional. You go in, you do the work. Absolutely. And get paid, go home. Exactly. Like it's, it's going to be bad. You know, it's going to be bad. There's nothing you, all you do is the best you can do and just hope that's enough. You've got to Michael Caine that shit. And that is a hundred percent what Linda Cardellini <laughs> and Raymond Cruz are doing in this movie. Like yeah, they they're are, fine. they're they're doing great work. Like I I do not begrudge them. In fact, I <laughs> wish I wish the material were were better suited to <laughs> what they're doing because they are better than the material in this movie. I would say, Absolutely. and it's, it's it's the main reason I can't just give this film one star. I don't give it much more than that, but I can't just give this film one star because they're at least hitting above the weight class of this movie. This movie does not deserve them, is what I'm going to no, say. Not at all. I would agree. Not I at all. Agree. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know that this movie deserves James Wan's production, honestly. Like, yeah. it doesn't deserve him on board as a producer. And no, the director on this, this film parlays this into other work in The Conjuring. For, he direct, he's, this is the director of The Conjuring 3. So it feels like in some way, maybe is. I wonder if he's a, like a Juan protege. I didn't really look that up. Which like, makes what his is comments his... about this one? Not him not wanting to make this part of the franchise even weirder. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, I, you know, I don't want this one to be part of it, but I'll direct some if you want me to. I mean, right? If you want to pay me well, for those, I guess it's part well, of the Conjuring universe now. But to be to be clear, if you're pals with James Wan, and this movie, I think. It's it's the writing that tanks this movie. The direction's fine. Mm-hmm. It's it's a competently yeah. made film technically all around. And there there are there are moments that are design is fine. You know, look pretty fun. Like there 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 are moments like uh, like like the 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 scene where they're going through the house at the beginning. I fucking love that shit. Like I love any. Anytime a horror movie that takes place in a house like has and both of the first two Conjuring movies do this and I kind of love that they do 
where they just give you like a shot or a scene that just takes you through the house so you know where everything is. And so you have the spatial geography and the reasoning when the like chases start happening later in the movie, because you know they are. It's a haunted house movie. You know those are coming. And James Wan loves those. Like he'll put in those track. I think he does it in Malignant too. Like he puts in those shots that kind of take you through the entire house so that you know exactly where everything is so that when you need to know where it is, it's all right there. And I love that he does that. I, I'm a sucker for any filmmaker that just very clearly and without stopping the movie to do it, lets you know where you are and what the, what the limitations of the space are. Um, and there, the movies that don't do that, I think suffer as a result, like, um, like alien three is a good example of that. Like Fincher just does not do the work to give you the spatial geography of that, that space, which is a big old bummer. Huge bummer. I would agree. Speaking of a um, bummer, uh, should we talk about the plot? You guys let's, let's I do fucking it. Fucking guess. Uh, let's the sooner do we it. do let's... that, the sooner we can get to the numbers, Brett. We're just, we're just, Chugging along. We're moving this Chugging train along. forward, trying yeah. to get to our destination, man. Episode by numbers, this one. So while you pull out the D6 of Destiny, Brett, I will explain to the listener what this is. This is the part of the show where we, at the behest of the D6 of Destiny, will recount the plot uh, of the movie that we're watching, like 2019's The Curse of La Llorona, in 60 seconds or less. Brett will roll the die. He will assign two sides to each of us, and based on the way that it rolls, we'll determine which of us will be recounting that plot. Uh, we'll give the 10 and 30 second warnings, but Brett, who is what and who will be presenting today? I'll fucking know. I'll be one and two. Tucker can be three and four. You can be five and six. Let's fucking do it. It is a four. Son of a bitch. I don't know what happened in this movie. All right. No one does. Let's do it. Somebody put, yeah, some, no, somebody put some time. I'm, I'm getting up, 60 seconds on the clock. Presently. Or, or just do it off the top of your head. That's always fun. Yeah. Off it's always fun head, if you do don't it. remember if you do it off the top of your head. All right. I've got a minute on the clock. I'll give you the 30 and 10 second warnings. And the time starts when you do. Uh, so there's this gal and she has some kids and she's a single mother. Um, and she's a a good mom but like she's she can't do all the stuff so it sometimes it looks like she's not a great mom and she's also a social worker and she knows this lady who she social works i guess is how you say that i don't know um and she's got her kids in the closet man it's real fucked up and scary shit's going on and it turns out that they're being hunted down by la yorona uh which is this lady that like her kid died or something or like somebody drowned i don't know what happened in that first scene but something happened and somebody died and she cries and shit so uh if she passes the curse to the lady's kids and then the scary thing comes for him and then she at the end the the original lady kind of wises up and like oh that was dumb of me to like pass that on what a shitty person i am and throws it across and and she idle hands is she idle hands is La Yorona and she poofs into spoke from across. Cool. And it's real, you real good. You get it off the top of your head so bad you got the ending wrong. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> what happened? I thought it was. It, it wasn't that gal? Who was it? Well, so first of all, you got La Yorona's lore wrong, or you didn't even know her lore. Um, I was going to say, I'm going to need you to get into in La Yorona's lore. 
I was doing well, I mean, my best so, with the facts that were presented to me. Well, you also fell asleep. You probably fell asleep during that part. That's probably where you were sleeping. Um, so maybe straight up, maybe. Um, so La Llorona's lore is fairly similar to the folklore tale. I don't think it's really much different. It's pretty much the same. Um, yeah, cool. very beautiful um, Spanish woman. Um, is maybe vain. It's maybe not vain. It's a little vague there, but um, she very she thinks very highly of herself. And then when a very um handsome suitor comes into her town, she decides this guy is worth my time. Um, and they they have a wonderful relationship and they have a couple children. Um, but as she grows older. This man's a piece of shit. He's like, I'm going to get with somebody younger because you're old now. So she cheats on La Llorona with this younger woman, uh, which drives La Llorona crazy. And she decides, I'm going to punish this motherfucker by killing his kids. So she drowns both of her children in the river, realizes what she's done, and kills herself in the process of killing herself. Um becomes a corrupted dark uh, spirit who uh, like is, you do. Now, is now <clears throat> looking to um, replace her dead kids with your kids if you oh, get on the wrong side yeah. of her. So, As one does. Yeah. That's how you do it. So, it's yeah, the way rational shit. people do. Yeah. Standard yeah. demon so shit, yeah. Yeah. Well, she's not a demon. She's a dark spirit. There's a difference. Okay. Um don't don't make Brett break that. down that lore. Not even, I mean, look, one is in. one is clearly from hell, Obviously. produced by the devil, and one another one is. What, 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 so another one is just like an evil spirit, like something really terrible happened to a spirit, and it got real angry, and is a vengeful spirit, is what you're you know, probably. Uh-huh. something something That's strange not, yeah. in your neighborhood, you might say. Yes. Something strange going on. Something's wrong. Gloom in the room. Outside in the storm. Outside's the storm. All <laughs> alone in the crib. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. We thank, had a moment. Thank you, thank you Tucker. Uh, I can always, right, no always count on you to finish a Ghostbusters 2 quote. Um, yes. Uh, but, uh, but no, so the end, the ending you got wrong, um, is that... Um, so here, but here's the weird thing. This is another part of the logic of this movie. I don't understand. Um, there, there is a point where, um, our 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 protagonist is fighting La Llorona in her pool, um, and manages to pull off pull off a piece of jewelry from her and take it away. Yeah, yeah. Um, Maybe that the MacGuffin, if you will. It is a MacGuffin. We can call it that. Um, there's a few MacGuffins. Uh, it is introduced across. in the first scene of the film. Correct. But no. was it? Maybe it was. I yeah. Don't yeah. No. It's like they they draw attention to it, and she says something like, "I will keep this" or something. I will uh, for straight up forever. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, so okay. So even I remember that. Kind of makes it even worse. Um, <laughs> uh, so. They use that against her at the end to sort of stall her for a second and turn her back to normal as she's looking at this this bit of jewelry. Um, meanwhile, I'm going, 
it's it's been a part of her. Why would you be able to use it against her? Yeah. Like it's her own jewelry. Why would she care? It's like it's her totem, it's her talisman. Yeah. Like she if anything, it would make her pissed off that you have it and she would want it back. Like, correct. Um F. but but that doesn't work because she um it, she looks at herself in a mirror. Um and that makes her evil again. Um, as it does so as it does uh, for all of us i mean look i i turn a little more evil every time i look at myself in a mirror you guys look in my glasses you guys are getting even more evil look in my glasses how much more evil you're getting getting evil all the time um (laughs) evil all the way down but uh so then they they have to use and this is the part of the lore i really dig which is kind of like i kind of like the last 30 minutes or so um is the uh our um former priest i don't know what else to refer to him as they call him something but i don't have a spanish word i don't remember what it is excuse me uh, his name is Rafael, and oh, the actor's okay, cool. name is raymond cruz that so. guy i don't remember and he's cool he but rude um, you might say yes give me a break correct <laughs> um but where so he he says that when La Llorona, which is part of her lore, so I, I kind of forgot this. When La Llorona was drowning her kids, there was a tree nearby that had red leaves that bloom off of it that made it look like it was on fire. So they call it a fire tree. Um, that also appears in the first scene of the film. Yes. Chekhov's it, red tree. Yeah. Um and they say that since it was the only living thing that was witness to her sin, you can use it against her. Mm. So he um, uses the leaves from a fire tree to protect the house that she can't cross like salt for a demon. She can't cross a line of fire tree leaves. Oh, yeah, because I remember um, when that lady kicked it and she mm-hmm. was like, fuck y'all, bonk. And like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty yeah. cool. Um, and the cross that he has is carved from a fire tree. So that's what they use to kill her. Maybe kill her. I don't know. Maybe the sequel, if a sequel ever happens, probably not completely dead. She I was going to say, I, I can't imagine that they're going to look again, like with all horror movies, they leave it open. Like, yes, you can hear La Llorona crying at the end of the credits, like as if to say she's not really gone anywhere. Like but, the baby on the bus, man. Wah, right. wah, wah. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah. So um, they stab her with that, and she unravels and maybe dies. Poofs. I mean, it is a little bit more than a poof. It is a little bit cooler than a poof. To it's be a poof. fair, she like unravels and like. Yeah, like, I was gonna say black, the unraveling is pretty is a pretty cool effect. The black yeah, goo. A um, Essentially, a poof. The black goo. A complicated not, poof. A yeah, poof like, by any other name. So, but yes. like that's that's the cool part I like about the last part of this movie is like they they bring in some lore. There's a guy that's using it to fight an evil spirit. Um, I wish it had been like when he blesses the pool. I wish that's such a cool concept that I wish mm-hmm. it would have been more than right. just him touching the water and looking really like serious for a second. Right. Because uh, I don't think I, I don't think that's how you make holy water if you're a priest. And well, I don't know if if you're if you're no longer a priest. I don't know if you still have the ability to make holy water. Well, no, no, Stephen. He did say he turned his back on the church. He would never turn his back on God. Yes. <laughs> so, and and I bonded with him in that moment. Um, I <laughs> Lol. <did>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. So you could totally fight evil spirits and demons now. You should do that. 
I That's don't fighting, have... fighting evil hunting things. Make that your new family. Steven, business. even I'm ordained. So come on, man. I, I, I look, I was never actually ordained. Oh man. I totally win then. Fuck yeah. Are, are fact, you, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be officiating a wedding, uh, in, a, in about a month. Are you ordained by like an actual church or is it like one of those online churches? I am ordained by the Universal Life Church, and it's free to get ordained by the Universal Life Church. Got it. And it is 100% legal, and it's 100% legit, but here's how they get you. Let me tell you how they get you, Stephen. How they get you is they'll ordain you for free, and it's official. It's totally legit. But if you want any kind of proof that you are ordained, Mm -hmm. you got to pay like 35 bucks for like a Mm -hmm. certificate and shit. Yeah. I mean, that's fine, though. Like, it's, it's, I'm really excited about doing this wedding. I really like the people that I'm going to be marrying. Like, they're good friends of mine. So, fuck it. $35 is a small price to pay to be able to do that for them. So and look, I mean, it. a lot of times people pay their efficient. So, you can make that up in whatever they pay. You just be ah. like, yeah, just pay for my credentials. Oh, man. I love those ladies. I would never make them pay for that. Fair enough. Uh, fun fact, a former uh, boss of Brett and I uh, was ordained in the Dudist Church. She is a Dudist priest. Oh, that's rad. Uh, from uh, the, which is the church based on the Coen Brothers film, The Big Lebowski. Yeah, fun story. My, um, my, my one marriage has, was ordained, was officiated by a Dudist priest. Word. That's pretty rad. That, that, that tracks weirdly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm way into that. Yeah. Too bad that marriage didn't last, but you know, that's story for another time. Not really the fault of the efficient. Let's be no, some, not at all. Some do, not. some do, some don't. You're talking to three divorced white heterosexual men right now. Don't you, you ever forget it. Yep. Don't you ever yeah. forget it. <laughs> yep. Yes. Gosh, those chips are sure are stacking up on these shoulders, but they're, yeah, <laughs> we're so <laughs> oppressed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I, we're not. We're to, we're the least. No, no, that we're was not. That was yeah, I, I swear. No chip on the shoulder anymore. I'm perfectly happy no. in my current relationship. Yeah. No, same. Whatever. Yeah, girl, no, me too. Yeah. With myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. I don't yeah. know if I want to high five that hand. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it's, that's not the oh, hand. It, it's the other hand. Okay. Good I'm to know. Switch, right, got but, it. But last time it wasn't that hand. So. All right. Thank you. I'm ambidextrous. I don't know what to tell you. Like, what am I supposed I to don't say? Know, I don't know why you are telling us, quite frankly. I can't choose because you asked. I didn't, oh, though. I didn't, we didn't yeah. ask. We just made a reference to it. We, we uh, just, we made it. We, can, you, can you read back 30 seconds ago, please? And this is the part yeah, where yeah, Tucker just in, this is the part where Tucker inserts the part from previous in the recording and just puts the audio just drops. Except it in he here. won't because that didn't happen. Uh, so I guess exactly. We'll I guess we'll see. I guess, I guess, I guess we'll we will. See. I guess yeah. we will. Or more more accurately, I guess we'll hear, won't we? Or you know, at the very least, I'll find other clips of you guys saying those words like in different contexts and put them together. <laughs> You'll sound like Chef on that episode they put together after he left. Yeah, where it's just like different words. Of course, like children. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah. So we don't know if you could actually make holy water if you're not an official priest anymore, but. I feel like God I mean, is the I one could that probably does Google that. that. Not the church. Um, 
either way, I don't really think you could just lay hands on a thing of water and make it holy, but whatever. I don't know. <laughs> the way I look at it, since I don't believe in any of that shit, I can do whatever I want. Yeah, true. You know, like, I can, I, can, I can bless whatever I want because I don't really, like, there are no rules for me because I don't believe in any of it. According to WikiHow, like, in many religious traditions, including Catholicism and some pagan traditions, yes, holy water is created by combining water with salt. Typically, the salt and water must both be ritually consecrated, either together or separately, in order for the water to be considered holy. So I think it goes beyond just touching it with an earnest constipation face. <laughs> so wait, yeah. so wait, is that, do you think that's why, um, the great salt Lake and like, what's the Mormon guy's name? Like John Smith or something. Is Joseph that seriously Smith. his name? Okay. I Joseph, was like, oh, Joseph Smith. <laughs> uh, so is so that close. why he chose the great salt Lake because Probably. like holy water or whatever. Maybe, or maybe they just, wow. maybe they just made it to Utah and went, you know what? far enough uh, this is fine yeah. i guess like, i mean that's, that, but that, that explains why it's it's always like really good against demons and evil spirits because of the salt content oh yeah salt like so. supernatural they always have the salt in their shotguns rock salt dude yeah, yeah. And they're always like putting like, salt on thresholds and whatnot yeah michael dude. madsen also puts rock salt in his shotgun in kill bill volume two damn right he, he shoots does. Uma thurman in the chest with it like and then buries do. her alive. And then she like digs herself do. out and then kills him. She does the Bruce Lee one inch punch one inch yeah. punch. Over and over and over, over again. And yeah. Over. yeah. Boy, I liked that movie when it came out, but I just don't think I'd enjoy it as much now. And I'd rather just like remember how good how much I enjoyed it before. I at some point I'm gonna do a complete Tarantino retrospective, and it'll probably be right before whatever his quote unquote last movie is going to be. But Word. Jackie Brown is where it's at for me. Jackie I don't Brown really, is I, so good. I have enjoyed all of his films at certain times in my life, but I don't really care too much about any of them anymore except for Jackie Brown. That one the, will never three, get old for me. The three of his that continue to vie for top spot for me are Inglorious Bastards, Jackie Brown, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. At any point in time, any of those films is going to be one, two, or three at any given point. Word. So yeah. I think mostly the reason that I don't care about any of his other films anymore is because every time that Quentin Tarantino does something, the industry follows it. And so you'll get a lot of clones regardless of whether there. they understand it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's one of those things where the market gets oversaturated. So the thing that originated it, it kind of takes a little bit of the shine off of it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Agreed. Yeah, no, yeah, I absolutely I was, get it. I'm just a Pulp Fiction guy, really. Otherwise, I don't care much. I mean, oh, when I, I was in college, watch it and enjoy Pulp Fiction. Oh, I love like, Pulp Fiction. Yeah, don't get me wrong, but I just—I mean, when I was in college, I was all in on Reservoir Dogs. So oh, yeah. that one's scrappy. Yeah. I like it. It is scrappy yeah, as hell. It's not bad. And I mean, Kill Bill's great. But, Kill Bill's yeah. incredible. I saw that one in theaters, like both volumes. I saw the in double theaters. feature, man. I didn't see the first volume because I knew they were going to show a double feature at the theater I was going to see it at. So go. I waited till yeah. the second one came out, watched the double feature. The person who put the film together accidentally cut the reel that had the the fight between Daryl Hannah and Uma Thurman, accidentally <gasps> cut it backwards. So <clears throat> all of a sudden, 
it's that scene running backwards. You get and we're like, well, watch her shove her eye in her face. Well, yeah. Well, we're like, well, um, you know, it's Quentin Tarantino. Maybe this is just the movie. We've already had anime in this. So like, so it took everybody about 10 minutes to kind of agree. You know, I think something's wrong here. Like we should maybe talk to someone. So there was, it took them like 20 minutes to fix it. And oh. like, honestly, I should have just went up there and done it myself. Cause I could have done it in about five, but yeah, no doubt. Whatever. Yeah. And then it went off without a hitch after that. It was just really weird because we were like, oh, it's going backwards now. That's cool. That's a weird choice. Way into it. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. If yeah, Tarantino did right. that. Something's wrong here. <laughs> yeah. If Tarantino did that, we would just accept it. So, no, I absolutely yeah, get it. And, absolutely. and he's, yeah. he's one of those guys who will just try shit. And, and for all you know, it's an homage to some movie that came out in the 70s that he just has had stuck in his craw for the last 50 years. So, yeah. Yeah. You know what movie but, is not going to get stuck in the crawl of anyone ever? The Curse of La Llorona? Which, yeah, which one, one. One, more, one more cool thing about the lore they did here is I did like how he, he took La Llorona's tears, consecrated them, and turned them into an anti-venom to hurt her with. I thought that was really fucking cool, too. That, I mean, the things that that character does are really interesting. Just this movie doesn't really give them the space or the attention that they need i feel well yeah that's that's the problem is like there's these little cool bits of lore and stuff that you know is all like i keep saying contained to pretty much the last 30 minutes of the movie right um which but even then only like 15 to 20 of that is the cool stuff i liked um yeah but that's it like i could i could not give two shits about the rest of the movie Right. Because, um, mm. I mean, I, I already knew the folklore tale of La Llorona. Like, I didn't... If I hadn't, I guess that'd have been cool to learn about, but... I, and the connection to the Conjuring universe is cool. I do love a shared universe. I'm always into that. Always. Um, it's your jam, yeah. Yeah, but the rest of it is just actively mediocre, insults my intelligence, and is just boring. Yeah, it's... It, I, 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 I enjoyed enough of this franchise when I watch, I, I watched this franchise entirely in during the pandemic. One of the many franchises that I watched during the pandemic, I think I watched like close to 20 different franchises during the pandemic. And this was one of them. And I, I, I think I enjoyed about roughly half of it. I think there are probably four or five decent to good movies. If that maybe I would let's say three or four decent to good movies in this franchise. And the rest are just kind of bad. Um, including the first two Annabelle films, if I'm being really honest, the, the only good Annabelle film is the third one. And it's maybe my yeah. second or third favorite movie in this franchise. Like, um, I also really think the nun is really fun. Uh, but this is, this is absolutely at the bottom of my conjuring rankings. Like if I, if I were to post and I might post it on social media this week, um, just my, my rankings of the conjuring franchise, um, this one is dead last all the way at the bottom with a bullet with a bullet. And it's not even close. Like is this movie is just aggressively at best. It's mediocre. And the things in it that, that push past mediocre are just brought down by the overwhelming mediocrity of the rest of it. Yeah. You guys here in new England, we would refer to this movie as garbage fucking garbage. 
garbage. I'll buy it. Yeah. As the fellow once said, I'd buy that for a dollar. Um, yeah. Such but, a better yeah. movie. I wish like, we were I watching mean, that movie. God, I <laughs> one of these days we're gonna. We're, one of these days we are actually gonna have to cover the RoboCop remake. Please, I can't. I love that movie, you guys. I love it. I think whenever we do that that month, we also need to do un. We also need to do an unenfranchised on RoboCop three and get Brian Kuyper in to talk about it because he's our resident Fred Decker guy. Okay, and oh yeah, 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 yeah. Now I I know I've asked this question before, but I can't remember the answer. There were live action RoboCop TV shows that I think are in the same continuity, so that that doesn't count. It has to be movies, right? Yes. And TV movies don't count. Okay. No. Because that uh, show was kind of dope. Are they are like they the TV movies they or is it just a series? Uh, kind of both. Each episode is an hour and a half. It's kind of oh, like God. Sherlock, where you have like three episodes in a series, but they're all I, feature length. I did not think that happened. It's called Prime out. Directive. Oh God, Robocop Prime Directives from two thousand and one. Yep. I did not even know this was a thing. Yep. We should uh, we should get on this pretty soon. The new RoboCop video game is coming out this month. Oh, oh yeah, that's true. It's called RoboCop Rogue City for all major consoles. Okay. Yes, Interesting. Yeah, an hour and 35 minutes, one of the episodes, the first episode. The second episode is an hour Four and episodes, minutes. a total yeah, of six length. hours. So, yeah. They're feature length, yeah. Now we get to talk about the infamous uh, RoboCop versus Terminator video game. Mm, yeah, which was there was that was supposed to be a movie started as a comic, and we could talk about we could talk about RoboCop showing up in Mortal Kombat as well, and Peter Weller coming yeah. back to voice him. Yeah, yeah. and we Lots can talk, talk about, about how there's also a blank check Easter egg in the RoboCop screen. I think it's the is it the RoboCop or the Terminator screen? There's a one of the developers on the game was a blankie. And so he put like all of the produce, producer Ben's nicknames in the readout for like when you get the win the game with I think it's RoboCop. Like when you win the game, it lists like the. Um, uh, oh, I, think, I think that was Terminator. I think. That oh, was, was it Terminator? Yeah, OK, was, they've no. covered both of those on that podcast, so I could see it going either way. Though, look, we could definitely do um, an Oops All video game corner on RoboCop as well, even though we wouldn't, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, we could do a whole thing there because we'd have the remake for the main feed. This is definitely band meeting stuff, but who cares about this movie? We could do the <laughs> remake. Do a live feed. About it. We just got to wrap it up at this point. Right? So yeah, live oops, production oops, meeting oops, on. We're just padding out the runtime here with RoboCop. And then also an unenfranchised. That would be rad as shit. Yeah, and that could yeah. be a month where we could put a Patreon show on the main feed to give them kind of a, a sample, even though we do have a seven day trial. So please take you know sign up for our seven day trial and forget to uh, you know cancel, please. Please patreon.com slash disenfranchpod. Save me from having to do that plug later, but I still will anyway. So about them <laughs> numbers. Stephen, tell us about I the didn't numbers. Do it with the box office. Tell us about the numbers. Then say hi to your mother for me. And say hi to, say your, hi mother to your mother for me. me. Say hi to your mother for me. Um, yeah. So this movie came out in, God, what was it? September oh, no. of two thousand. No, August 19? of twenty. 19? April. God, let okay, me try that same again. Same thing. Same thing. This movie came out in April of twenty nineteen. April nineteenth, twenty nineteen. 
Um, it was, let me actually pull up the weekend box. Real, office. real bad. Uh, it is Not real, real bad. Money. However, it, it, it did make money though. That's, that's oh, sweet. the thing. Good it, for them. It, it did make some money. Here's the thing. And that's what I was saying earlier. Like one of the reasons why horror is so consistent and why, why it's a good idea for studios to have a horror division and continue to make horror movies is that you can make those things on the cheap and they make yeah. bank. Like they make. Yeah, and money. you know what? I fucking hated this movie, but get that money. You know, mm-hmm. I don't I don't dislike the people involved with this movie just because they made a shitty movie doesn't mean that like I'm against them as people get that money, get that money. And this movie does open at number one at the box office for this weekend. For them. It opens to twenty six point four million or point three rather million dollars. Um, in second place is Shazam, the first Shazam movie in its third weekend, uh, which actually, you know what? Good movie. I like Shazam. It was fine. It was fine. Uh, in third place, a movie called Breakthrough in its second weekend. Uh, in fourth place, not Shazam, but a movie called Captain Marvel up from sixth place the week before. I liked that one. In its seventh weekend. Um, and uh, in fifth place, a movie called little, what if, what if someone was little, I don't know what that movie is. It's cool. We don't need to know. Moving on. Oh, it's Nobody no, it's cares. that, it's that, it's that Tyler Perry movie where the, it's a body swap comedy. Um, oh. and so that's our top five in sixth place, uh, Tim Burton's Dumbo, uh, in seventh place, the remake of Pet Cemetery. uh, in Ooh, eighth place, I liked that Jordan Peele's us. That one was uh, pretty good too. Ninth place, the Leica film Missing Link. And in 10th place, future episode of this podcast, the 2019 reboot of Hellboy. Oh, I do need to see that, I guess. Ooh. I mean, we'll watch it eventually. Um, so this movie opens, like we said, to uh, what did we say? About 24 million dollars. It goes on to gross about 54 million domestically. So not a great multiplier, but still. On a nine million dollar budget, you make back over twice what you paid for the movie in your opening weekend. You're doing not okay. bad. That's um, an okay investment. Yeah, almost three times as much actually. Um, and then not your bad. international, you earn another sixty eight point four million uh, internationally. So that you you you're over a hundred million in the worldwide box office. One hundred twenty three million. About one hundred twenty five. Yeah. Yeah, one hundred twenty three point one million is the final total there. Um, in terms of the conjuring franchise as a whole, uh, it should surprise no one that this is the lowest grossing, uh, both domestic uh, and worldwide. Um, the only other one, the the only other one that even comes close is um, the conjuring. The devil made me do it, which comes out, of course, uh, you know, when the pandemic is still raging in uh, June of 2021. So, um yeah, that one obviously not going to pull in the the bank that the others had. So uh, this one came out before the pandemic, so no excuse really, but it still does not do particularly well. Um, the Tomatometer score is a 28%. The critics consensus content to coast on jump scares rather than tap into its story's creepy potential. The Curse of La Llorona arrives in theaters already broken, which you know what? That's accurate. Very, very accurate. Like this, this could just be called jump scares and missed opportunities. The movie. Um, yeah. and it would be accurate. 
Um, the meta score is a 40. Bad jump scares, too. Bad jump scares. None of them were worth a damn. Mm -hmm. Not a single one. Cheap. Cheap jump scares. Yep. Uh, meta score on this one's a 41. Mixed or average reviews based on 28 critics. Uh, and the letterbox score, I'm going to have to refresh my letterbox because it is not cooperating with me right now, is a 1.9. Tucker, out of Fair. five possible stars, how are you ranking 2019's The Curse of La Llorona? One star for my boy Curtis Mayfield. I'm pouring out a little for him right now. I guess I'll have to clean that up tomorrow. <laughs> Right on. Brett, what about yourself? Well, real quick, that reminded me of another little gripe I had, is that uh, at the end, he's talking about how she thrives in darkness, and they're trying to just wait it out till the morning, but she mm -hmm. showed up during the day earlier in the movie. Why the fuck does that matter? Yeah. I give it one and a half stars. Which is what I give it as well. I also <clears throat> give it one and a half stars. Um, again, I can't just give it one, because you got Linda Cardellini and, and Raymond Cruz doing the Lord's work in this movie. Um so yeah, that, that plus the little bit of lore stuff I liked. That's yeah. That's there's my, that's, there's yeah. the three half stars. Yeah. yeah. Just acting their little butts off the yeah. whole time. And you know what? Again, they're better than this movie deserves. They really, really are. Yeah. Uh even even Patricia Velasquez, like, um, I don't Agreed. like that character worth a damn, but I think she's doing a fine job. Like she's doing the best she can with what she's got to work with. And and I think that's true of everybody in this movie. They're really trying, they're they're doing their best with what they have. Unfortunately, what they have is not all that good. There's nothing. It's nothing there. Right. Nope. Um, which is a real fucking shame. Um, but yeah, so that is that is the curse of La Llorona. Um, so yeah, there we go. And uh, hey, why don't you, while you're sitting here giving us a listen, uh, why don't you check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash disenfranchpod, uh, where you can find so like hours, hours of content uh back there uh, as well uh, our weekly show what are we watching the shows that we mentioned in our little impromptu team meeting there um the oops all video game corner unenfranchised disenfranchised there are so 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 many options so many and it's all organized now it's all yeah. organized now you can go through like a series in a couple days Tucker went through and organized it all for us. So if you just want to listen to disenfranchise for a while, do it. If you want to listen to unenfranchise for a while, do it. You can, uh, if you want to hit the, uh, the Christianity corner, which is my little show behind the paywall, you can hit up all three episodes of that. I, I swear we, I wanted to do one on the exorcist when Billy Friedkin died. And I, I don't know that it, anyone else was super into that, but I, you know, yeah, I'd be been. into it. Now, here's the deal. Uh, I think there's another Exorcist movie coming out. There is, yeah. I think. Yeah, the David Gordon Green maybe, one. Believer. Maybe we called. could arrange something, Stephen. We do have to put. We do have to to make the caveat to those listening that that uh, oops, all Christianity corner is not glorifying Christianity in any way. If anything, it's the opposite. Um, so. <laughs> Um, I like I have I've been a pastor. I have been a Bible teacher for many, many years. Um, and uh, the current state of the evangelical church is disgusting. Uh, so that's why I bonded with the main character of this movie when he says, uh, turn back on the church. Yes. On God. Never. Uh, and I was like, hey, man, I, I, I can get with that. So right on. Um, Meanwhile, Tucker and I hate organized religion altogether. Just godless heathens. The two of us. <laughs> 
I might believe in reincarnation, maybe, but other than that, I don't know. Nothing. That's fine. I only believe in myself. So then don't worry. Oops, all Christianity corner is a fun time. It is. It and look, we we all have a good time. We goof. We we like and you know what? If you want to hear us just like punching down for a while, listen to our episode, our our Christmas episode last year on Kirk Cameron saving Christmas. Oh, Fuck boy. that motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's just that's just like an hour and a half of us just punching down. It's great. Good. He but it's on somebody who deserves it. It is. And fight yeah. me if you think he doesn't. Straight up fight me. I'm right here. You know where I live? Come get me. Fight me. If you don't, email us and he might tell you. Um we can yeah, meet Kirk. at a public location. Yeah. Let's fucking do it. bring it, Kirk. Your name is Kirk. Come on, come on. Come on, <laughs> growing pains. Let's go. You can also shoot us an email, disenfranchpod at gmail.com. That's where you can let Tucker know. Ask Tucker for his address if you want to go fist fight him over this. Um, Let's do it. <laughs> he's down to clown. Um, you Shoot us an email over there. Let us know if there's a movie you want to see us cover at some point. Um, but yeah, let us know uh, how you think we're doing. Or just say hi. We'd like to hear from you guys. Just say hi. Uh, you can find us on social media. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd. And uh, f- Facebook and Threads at Disenfranch Pod. Um, also, while you're out on the World Wide Web, swing by Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Leave us a nice big old five star rating and and review. Don't just don't just rate us, but review us as well. Uh, we always appreciate hearing from you guys. We love to hear why you enjoy the show, and that helps other people find our show as well. I'm your host, Stephen Foxworthy. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, uh, Blue Sky, and Threads at Chewy Walrus. Brett, where can we find you on the socials these days? I'm told it's called Blueski. Um, I am available on... It is Blueski. <laughs> it's, it's spelled with a Y, not an I. It's Blue Sky. All right. Ys are weird right. vowels that can go either way. English um, anyway, is a weird um, language. It all is also that. Um, I'm available on Instagram, a letterbox that's sus underscore warlock. Tucker? You guys, we're so fucking stupid. Do you know how I rented this movie and we all coordinated to watch it at separate times? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This motherfucker's been on Max the whole time. Bitches. The whole time. Oh, yeah, the I whole spent, franchise is on Max. Yeah, I forgot about I that. I spent $4 on I don't this. Know, I don't know why it didn't come up when I searched for it then, but yeah. $4. Anyway, you can find me on YouTube at Ice909. That's I-C-E-N-I-N-E, the number zero and the number nine. That's where you can find uh, a kind of a retrospective of my career as a musician from the last 20 to 25 years. Uh, I also have a preservation project where I am uh, uploading 45s and LPs that are not available uh, digitally on the internet that the copyright has lapsed on uh, so that those things can be preserved for everyone to enjoy if they want to. Um, I'm also on Instascam at Tuck underscore mugs. Uh, that's, uh, that's where I put up my mugs, man. And we just had my my bestest friend in the whole world, Jimmy, just submitted a mug. He did. And that's when he sent that to me. I told him to <laughs> told him to send it to the disenfranchised email. Jimmy doesn't listen so well. He's kind of like me, like a, about thirty percent of what you say sticks, and the rest just shoots out the other ear. Um, but anyway, he emailed it <laughs> that, to me. That, that tracks with my experience. Yes, 
He emailed it to me, and when I saw the mug, I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna be that mug." Yeah, because we used to live together, and we're like bros and shit. So, like, anyway, Arizona the, on it. Yeah, the team over at Tuck Mugs is hard at work on new content. Uh, mugs of my own, working. Yeah, plus plus guest mugs. Like the reason we have such a big team for Tuck Mugs is we have to figure out not only what mugs to put out but when to do it like we we strategically drop these mugs it's not all willy-nilly it's curated like yeah it's curated there's dozens of people working on this it's a scientific process so if that I've sounds like it's, one. No, i've Brett submitted one i've even, submitted one even popped a popped a selfie of himself on his he's in his his face mm-hmm. so if you're ever wondering what steven looks like and for some reason you can't find his face anywhere else Talk much, I just dude. told you where to find me on Instagram, so there's really no excuse. Although most of what I post Shut on Instagram up, is just food, but yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, Tux Mugs. Uh, you know, I'd like. I think I'd like to change. I'm going to talk to the team about changing the name of it to just Tuck Mugs, because I think I like that. That rolls off the tongue better than Tux Mugs. Okay. Too many S's there. So. Um, Which is to say two. We'll call, yeah, we'll call a meeting, Stephen. Let's say, what, 9 a.m. in the morning. We'll talk with the team about that. Yeah, I might be in bed, but yeah. Table it for now. We'll circle back tomorrow. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just whenever everybody's We'll have to get the whole Pacific Coast contingent, and that's going to be a whole mess. And we got people in. We want to schedule that for later in the week to make sure everyone's got, you know, the time blocked out. We've got European consultants we'd have to talk to, so it's just a whole thing. To say nothing about Taipei, so yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, how can you forget Taipei? How did you forget Taipei? Jeez. I didn't. I just hadn't mentioned it yet, okay? Okay. It was implied, I feel like. Some of our biggest stockholders and even sold (laughs) them. It's true, yep. God, I hope they're not listening right now. Um, right. Anyway, at any rate, this has been our epi- our our this has been our sesquicentennial spectacular on the 2019 Curse of La Llorona. It is the beginning of season four. We've got some fun stuff coming up in season four. We got Spookython coming next month, um, and we've got. Uh, a special theme or mini series that we're doing in December. We've got some fun stuff planned for the rest of this year and into the rest of season four. So buckle up babies. Cause it's going to get wild. Uh, in the meantime, uh, you can find us at all those places we just mentioned. Uh, but yeah, this has been the disenfranchised podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Foxworthy for my co-hosts, Brett Wright and Tucker until next time. Dun, 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 dun. Dun 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 la Yorona.